boys, today I got a real treat for you. A man who can teach you plenty. Today you're going to meet the garage mechanic's garage mechanic. He's the most famous graduate of his school. His name is Ron Ananian. So I've got one for Tesla now. Hey, okay. right. T- Tesla. Totally electric, stupid little accessories. Tesla. <laughs> no, just just that, meets. That, that, that meets the criteria. We like it. The Car Doctor. If you lift the hood and it looks like, you know, barnyard bobs that every critter in the world is living under the hood and they're making nests everywhere, well, you know, now we've got something else to think about. The first thing is, a guy comes in, no matter what's wrong with his car, you look him straight in the eye and say, you ain't using this car tonight. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Yes, boys, here he is, just now. Just now, finished. 22 sensational weeks at a garage in Newark, okay? He's beautiful, I'll make him happy, okay? Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Again, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, always working for you. Just like the Car Doctor out there trying to, uh, you know, stay on top of the car problems. They bring it here to you on radio at 855-560-9900. Give us a call and let's talk about it. Whatever you got going on, fender to fender and door to door. Um, busy week at the shop. A lot of things to talk about. We're trying to, by the way, um, I've got a couple of copies of Stephen Cook, Steve Cook's uh, book, OBD2 Diagnostics, um, a real good read. I've been going through it this week, some uh, some great stuff in there, really and truly. Uh, you can also find it out on Amazon. Steve's got it set up on Amazon. You go out to uh, Steve Cook. I think we posted that up on Facebook last week, but uh, just for everyone else, if you're not a Facebooker, and I understand why if you're not, um, Steve Cook, OBD2 Diagnostics, You'll uh, and we'll talk about that a little later on this hour. I'll see if I can get... Uh, maybe a link or something up uh, somewhere else. So uh, if you're looking for OBD2 information, because that seems to be uh, the big topic. That's what everybody's looking for. Uh, under the same venue, get out to alldata.com. Get out to alldata.com. Scroll down to the blog section. If you go off the front page, and i got to think of a simple way to maybe post that to make it easy. But a really great story article written by David Bree. Bree or Bry? B-R-Y. Bree. Bree like the cheese? I'll have to talk to David. I know David personally, and... Uh, I'll have to ask him which way that, that gets pronounced. But going to school on Mode 6, you hear me talk about using Mode 6 and OBD2 all the time. And uh, David over at All Data, they just wrote a really great article about it, talking about it, breaking it down. You know, there's Mode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and talking about what the different modes are of OBD2 uh, to make it easier. And obviously, 7, 8, and 9, there's also them. But um, just a real good read. It's seven pages if you print it out. I can't tell you, just making sense of the of of what it is and making it so simple. I want to talk about programming, not not this radio show, but just programming. I had to, you know, I love programming a car. It's just the, the challenge is just it's it's like sometimes it's like snowflakes. There's just no two programming events that are alike. Programming is a, is, is a process we have to go through when you bring your car to the mechanic and a computer has to get replaced. Or perhaps there's updated software. 
So think of it in terms of this. You went out to the store and you bought a brand new PC. You bought hardware. You bought a big box metal case and it's got Windows 7 on it. And now you want to upgrade it to Windows 10. That's programming. That's a software update. We do the same thing with cars. Now, sometimes we install new hard drives, so we have to install basic programming and then provide the updates from there. That's also applicable to cars because that's not just a reflash. That's a program and flash. So you're adding all the software back into the vehicle for that particular controller. 2007 Chevy Tahoe ended up on my doorstep yesterday with an airbag fault code. It came in from another shop. They asked me to flash the airbag controller and or the SDM, Sensing Diagnostic Module, as GM refers to it, which is kind of neat, right? You're looking for airbag controller on the list. Airbag, airbag. Okay, it's not there. Maybe it's supplemental restraint. Supplemental restraint, supplemental restraint. Yeah, it's not there. Well, let's see. What is it called? I think it's called SDM, but am I sure? Well, let's see. I'll eliminate the other 28 possibilities. Yep, there's only one there that would apply to airbag that I can see. It's got to be SDM, and sure enough, it was. And airbag stuff, I have to admit, makes me a little nervous. There's a legality to airbag. You have to follow, I mean, you have to follow the rules anyway, but you've really got to be right. All right? There's no, there's no second-guessing this. And you want to make sure the right software gets gets installed. You want to go through a check some, check on some of it. You want to make sure that it's going to operate properly. Obviously, no codes and so forth. So the other shop installed the SDM or the airbag controller. It goes underneath the console. It's so simple to get to. And they left it to me to, to flash it or program it. The problem is that if you don't have software in the tool or in the, in the car, you, you may not be able to program it because you need the scan. To, well, here, I'll tell you the story this way. So I logged into TIS, which is GM's online software that you subscribe to, and you, you bring up the vehicle by VIN, and you, you, your, your, your interface device, in this case it was a Tech 2, um, is talking to the car, and it's saying, yep, here's the car, and we need to install software in the airbag controller. But... I need the part number off the airbag controller, or, well, I found out later on, because I have to tell it where I'm at so it knows what software calibration to put in. You go a couple of screens in, and you're clicking away, and, yep, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And then the question read, enter the eight-digit part number as read by the scan tool. And I'm saying... How can I read the part number off the module if I don't have software in the car to communicate with it? So they must mean the old part. And I've had that before. I've had that plenty of times before. GM wants to know what the part number of the old module was so that they can figure out where they're going with the new module. Well, you've got this because the number wasn't the same. It was 15905805, and it was going to a 2336-8422 number, I think it was. So it's, it's definitely an updated, changed number. So I found it, the 1590. Okay, good. And I put that number in and click. And I, a couple of more screens. And we're doing the update. And I got an error code 6461, internal error programming message. Please reset. If any additional problems, please contact GM Techline. They understand. I, I got this car from another shop. I don't know. I'm just handed a car and told, here, program this. And I don't argue. Hey, you know, listen, you want to diagnose it? You tell me to do that. I'll do it. I, 
you know, I'm not saying it's going to fix it. I, at that point, I'm just, it's just like an electronic oil change to me. I don't care. It's, we're just, you know, we're making money. That's what the shop's there for. So, happened again. E6461 wouldn't program, wouldn't take the program. Unexpected programming error occurred. Hmm. Sat down and looked at it, looked at the procedure, rebooted the Tech 2, rebooted the car, rebooted the, the flashing computer, re-entered myself back into the software, went through it three times. And I kept coming back to that, the number on the scan tool, and I, I tried. My scan, the, the Tech 2, my situation, the vehicle would not interface and talk to that airbag control, and I'm saying, how could it? There's no, there's, there's no software there. It, it, it can't do that, which would make sense. So I had the shop bring me over the part number of the part that I was working on, and I found that down on the list, which is all the way down at the very bottom. And I said, let me try that. Plug that in, bam, like that, the car worked. Programmed, software uploaded, so we're halfway there. At the end of every programming event, there's always instructions. You have to do this. You have to, you know, turn the key on, turn the key off, rub your head, spit out wooden nickels. You know, the whole, there's always something particular. It's never just, oh, turn the key off, walk away, go have a cup of coffee. It never says that. So in this case, it said you have to introduce the SDM, the service diagnostic module, to the body computer, the BCM. So the SDM has to talk to the BCM. Okay, that makes sense. So it said go into BCM and... Click on SDM key update only while the airbag light is flashing. Whew. You know, this is like, uh, I mean, just you're, you're tired after all this because you're just reading and you're looking because you only get one shot at doing all of this. If you make a mistake, you buy a module. So I go into BCM. I cycle the key. The airbag light starts flashing. Sure enough, I go into BCM. I go into SDM key update to BCM. Um, key update not needed, both calibrations found, and same, no introduction. Oh, wait a minute, how can that be? Because I just, I just put a new, SD, to the level that I understand it, I'm, I'm putting, I just put a new airbag module in it. How can it recognize the airbag module that's there if it, it just, it's just got to be introduced? It just doesn't make any sense. Did that twice. That didn't work. Okay. So now I've come to the conclusion that the guy that wrote, the software about the eight-digit part number had a relative handling the, warrant, the the end of the screen instructions, and neither guy really knew what was going on because the procedures so far has just been a mess. It just doesn't make any sense. So I said, I wonder if the SDM, I wonder if the service diagnostic module has a key, you know, or a, a method by which it can be introduced to the body computer. Bingo. Sure enough, all the way down on the subscreen, two levels down, Inside the scan tool, there's an SDM key update to BCM function. Okay, I did that. Went over to the BCM, and then I performed the BCM function, and then it told me that the key needed to be updated, and it accepted it. Done. The point is that programming is never a dull moment. There's, there's always something different about to happen and there's always a different procedure i've got very few and these are older simpler cars this is a 2007 it's 12 years old 12 model years old think about flashing a newer vehicle and different speed and baud rate and all the onboard computers 
Someone told me at the end of the day yesterday, we were talking about the, the, the headache that that car was, and uh, they, he was a GM guy, and he said, you know, he said, remember, GM says that they want you to flash their cars with the scan tool that they designed that car around, meaning, in my case, a Tech 2. Now GM has a, um, an MDS, which is their latest, to do the, the, the newer cars, faster board rate, controlled area network diagnostics, and so forth. And I said to Kevin, I said, what's going to happen the day comes when there's no more Tech 2s around and everybody needs that to do the flash because the MDS won't do it? And he said, well, that's, you know, that's going to be the point of electronic obsolescence. So that's the other thing I learned yesterday about programming, that uh, it's never a dull moment. There's an electronic obsolescence coming because you're not going to have the electronic tools to work on these cars. And by then it won't matter because we'll be either walking or driving electric cars Actually, we'll either be walking or pushing electric cars. One or the other. Either way, it's going to work. 855-560-9900. Come on back. We'll talk about programming and anything else you want. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. I'll be waiting for you. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, welcome back. Let's get over and talk to David in Virginia, 2000 Dodge, and some fuel economy issues. David, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking to you. And I'll tell you, you got one of the best programs for knowledge that's on the air anywhere in America. Thank you, sir. Proud to be here. Um, I have a 2004 heavy duty 2500 Dodge extended cab okay. automatic transmission. Okay, it has right at 104,000 miles on it, and I try to keep it in top notch condition. And as far as I know, I do change oil, grease it every three to four thousand miles, baby it. Change the um, antifreeze, flush the radiator, you name it. Transmission fluid and everything. Gotcha. The, even the rear end, uh, I've changed it once. And uh, the fluid. And I put new spark plugs in it. Take 16 spark plugs for that. Is, isn't that a thrill? That, that, beats, that beats the morning workout. If you go to the gym, you don't need to do that after that because you're exhausted for the day. Uh, you know, it's well, it's it's a lot of spark plugs, brother. I know. It ought to be like a jet engine. It ought to drive you clean to the moon. But right. the thing of it is, as soon as I put all new wires, boots, everything on it, tuned up, used the diagnostic computer, everything checks fine. The gas mileage dropped from around 15, 17 miles to a gallon to seven. Wow. I don't care how you drive it. Nobody can have has an answer to what to do. They said, I think you're trying to convince your wife to get you to trade vehicles. Well, the thing looks like brand new. Yeah, no, we don't no want to do that. No problem to start it. No, nothing. Right. I don't know what's wrong with it. Neither do these people are supposed to be top-notch. So, you know, so I thought I would ask Yeah, you. no, I get it. I, I get it. Um, there's two different spark plugs per cylinder, correct? If I remember this right, there's two different heat ranges, two different part numbers. There's an intake plug, and there's a, there, there's I can't remember if it's, it's an intake plug and exhaust plug, or there's there's I I recall there's something different about the plugs. It's not like all sixteen the same part number. I think there's eight of one number and eight of another. Does that ring a bell? 
Okay. And eight I, of each. Right. And they've got to be in the right spot. So you've got to be sure that they were installed properly. That's the first thought, because I have seen that as a mistake. They're physically the same, but they are a different heat range. There's something different about the plugs. I forget whether it's there's an intake side, an exhaust side, or just a, a post-fire and a pre-fire. There's, I forget Chrysler's exact terminology but there is a difference so we've got to be sure the plugs are in the right spot obviously because they've they've got to be installed as designed all right wires are wires you can't really you can't really get that wrong it would it would be showing a misfire it would be showing a, a stutter no check engine light on right david yes sir is the, no check well no. that came on one time well, i forget what it was something minor all right but did it come uh, on before or after you changed the before this you tuned was before. it before. Before, okay. So yes, and it's, and it's not on now, correct? No, sir. All right. So no, sir. let's check the plugs. Verify location. Verify part number. That's number one. Number two. This one's a little harder. All right. The mechanic needs to look at with a scan tool. You know, the computer interface. Plug it into the dashboard. All right. Yeah. If 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 that's where they plug it in, yeah, all four of them, yep. all four dealers. If if zero is a good fuel mixture, all right. You're in Virginia, right? You've built a few fires in your lifetime, I'm sure, in the fireplace. Oh they, yeah, yeah. Okay. Have, uh, you, you ever get a, in one of my homes? Right. You ever you ever get a real good fire going with real dry wood and it burns real bright and it's it gives off a lot of heat and it's just a real highly oxygenated fire. You can tell there's just a lot yes, of good combustion going on. See, that's a that, that's, right. that, that, that's that's good combustion to a little bit lean, all right, like a little too much oxygen, all right, and it, the wood burns through so fast you're you're constantly adding wood, 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 and then you get those fires with wet wood, with where the wood is kind of damp and it just doesn't fire right and it's kind of smoldery and it doesn't put off enough heat and. It's, it's, it's incomplete combustion, and it's like a little rich. Well, we want to look with a scan tool. We want to see where's fuel trim. Have them look at fuel trim. Is fuel trim zero plus or minus five short and long term? Just remember those words. Zero plus or minus five short and long term. Call me back and tell me where they are. And then don't forget, by the way, just for the heck of it, ask them to check the brakes. Make sure the brakes aren't dragging. Make sure there's no rolling restrictions. Do that for me, David. Call me back. We'll talk some more. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. That was like giving birth. I wasn't sure. I'm waiting for the finger to come down and Mike to go. Now you get to talk. Okay, good. Tom and Tom and Mike have had a big conference in the in the in the control room, and now we decided we can continue with the show. Thank God, you know, that was longer than the government shutdown for crying out loud. Let's go and talk to Chip in Wisconsin, 93 Center. See what's going on here. Chip, welcome to the Car Doctor. I'm allowed to speak again. What's going on, brother? How can I help? Is this the Car God? It could be. Uh, yes, you've reached God, my son. How may I give you a dispensation? Uh, First, I'd like to thank you for uh, taking your time on a Saturday to help the uh, the shade tree mechanics. Well, listen, brother, that's what I'm here for. You know what? I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I was having breakfast with the wife this morning. We were at the deli. We were talking about the week, and I said, um, 
I said, you know, I told her the story. I had a young girl come to the shop yesterday, flat tire. And I told Susie, I said, I'm amazed at how much, look, you called me and I'm telling you the story, right? Um, I'm amazed at how much people don't know about cars. It just blows my mind. Uh, you know, like, I don't get it. Like, I look at a car and it just makes sense to me. And she said, yeah, but you look at a piano and you don't even know what it is. And I said, well, that's true. I said, you know, God gave me the ability to do certain things. And one of them, I guess, is to fix cars. So this young girl, Kim, she comes to the shop. She, she says, I think I have a flat. Can you fix it? Now, I look at the, I think I have a flat, can you fix a tire, and there's a chunk missing about four inches square because she hit the curb going around the corner and just tore the tire apart. She couldn't comprehend how that needed a tire. And, you know, and then, and then what do I do now? And you look at the utter helplessness of people, and you feel so bad. And you know what? That's why I'm here on a Saturday, because I'm just trying to help you guys sort it out. Cause I, I, but if I ever need to have a piano tuned, I'm going to have to call somebody else because I couldn't do it. Um, and, and that's my point. You know, it's like I'm, I'm happy to be here for you guys. I really am. What do you got with this Saturn, Chip? Uh, it's a 1993 five-speed, uh, 1.9 liter uh, single overhead cam. Okay. Uh, 120,000 miles. All right, it's not a lot. Uh, we recently bought it. We recently bought it, took it for a test drive, ran great on the highway. It, it idled good. Now it doesn't want to idle very good, and uh, it has a hesitation. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in first gear or you're, you're in fifth gear. It's like somebody turns the key on and off. It jerks that hard. Okay. So what I've replaced so far is the crank position sensor, the cam position sensor, the plugs, plug wires, coil packs, EGR valve, air idle control valve. I did take a test of the fuel pressure, and what's weird is when I first turned the key on, I had no fuel pressure. I started the car. It went up to 28 pounds. When I shut the car off, it bleeds down immediately. That's bad. I, I believe that to be wrong. I've never seen a fuel-injected vehicle that doesn't hold residual pressure. Okay. All right. So, so do you I think would... it would be the fuel pressure regulator or do you think it's the actual fuel pump well we'd have to look and see i'm trying to remember 93 that was more than yesterday uh i'd have to look and see how yeah, that it has system... a diaphragm type yeah that's oh, what wow. i'm that's what i'm kind of remembering um i would have to look and see where if it's if you were to that has that should have a fuel inlet and a fuel return line correct correct okay so if you take off the return line plug it and then cycle the cycle the pump, let the pump turn on, and turn it off, it should hold pressure in theory if it's, okay. as long as the pump's not bad. If it's, if it's okay. still, if it still bleeds down, then the pump's bad. There's a, there's a, it just should be a, because that should, that should hold residual pressure. If I, I'm trying to remember this now, but yeah, I don't see any reason why not. Um, so that'd be okay. the first, that'd be the first thing I'd look into, but that doesn't make sense that it's, um, that doesn't make sense that it's it's dying intermittently like someone turned the key off. Usually a fuel pump will cause a, you know, like you're running out of gas sensation, and that's not what you're describing to okay. me. So, no, not at all. And there's no rule that says you can have more than one problem in a car, all right? Um, let me ask you okay. this question. All those parts you replaced, do you still have the old ones? No. Oh, rookie move, bad move. Um, you never, you never okay. want to, you never want to throw out parts until the car is gone. 
All right. Think okay. of it. Think of it from a repair shop point of view. I never throw parts out until the customer comes, pays, picks up the car, sees everything, and then we throw it out. Sometimes we keep it an extra day or two, just for the heck of it. But you never want to throw parts out because what are you going to do? And here's okay. here's the reason why. What are you going to do when you find out that the new crank sensor you you got is bad? And the reason it's bad is because it's the wrong one because you need a part number off the original one to match it up because there was a variation in choice of production date based on the Julian date code of the part you took out. It could happen. I'm not saying it's in your case, but you you never throw parts out until the job is done. All right. But once the job is done, then you have to okay. throw them out. You, you you can't you can't you can't collect parts. All right. Um, I would think about fuel okay. pump. I would think about uh, we, do we have any kind of a lab scope here? Any kind of a scoping ability, Chip? We just I just have the plug in over the one. Okay. Scanner. All right. Do you have a volt? Do you, on a do you have a voltmeter? Yes. Okay. Do you know how to use the voltmeter? And I don't say that derogatory. I'm saying that's serious. Do you have a, Do you know how to use it in the sense, if I told you to go do a voltage drop test, could you voltage drop a couple of things? Yes. All right. So why don't we voltage drop the ground side, you know, go from the negative battery post to the block. The meter should be zero yeah. or, or whatever minimum spec is. Um, let's do it on the positive side. Let's Let's voltage drop the positive and negative side from the battery to, oh, I don't know, the alternator charging post. Uh, let's let's do the same thing on uh, ground. Let's voltage drop the ground side of the uh, battery. Let's voltage drop to the chassis. Let's you know. Let's just do some electrical testing. It's an older car. It's got some miles on it. It's up in Wisconsin. It's got some winters on it. You know what's corroded, what's not, and uh, let's see. Maybe maybe that's part of the problem. I'm not saying it is, but the one thing you've got to remember when you're trying to solve a problem, okay? Tell me what's good. If you can't duplicate the condition tell me what's absolutely positively good all right and you're doing that in a sense you check fuel pressure i believe there's a problem with that fuel pressure the other thing you can look at with that fuel pressure with the car running and that 28 pounds if you pull the dump valve on the fuel pressure gauge it should have a relief valve correct correct uh you know it should fill a snapple bottle we always we always joke about this i used to drink snapple when i was a kid uh, when it was first invented, and you know it'll it'll fill a, a Snapple bottle. A good running fuel pump on majority of vehicles will fill a Snapple bottle or that that a, a pint of fuel in you know under 22, 25 seconds, something like that. If it doesn't, that's suspect also because this could also be a volume issue, not just pressure. The other nice thing about doing a a volume test is if you use a clear Snapple bottle, which is why we started doing it in the first place with clear glass bottles, is you'll get an idea of fuel sample of condition. Dirty, rusty, you know, 93 wasn't exactly uh, yesterday. Uh, what does the inside of the tank look like? If it's a metal tank, it's rusted. Could it be? If it's a, if it's just an older vehicle, does it have any schmutz and junk in it? It's, it's had more than a few gas tank fill-ups in its lifetime. So, but my point becomes, start looking at, tell me what's good. Tell me what you absolutely positively can prove is good. All right? And then, and then focus on the rest. Are you writing any any of your test results down? Yes, I've got them on paper. Okay. Yeah. Never, never trust your head. I don't. I don't trust my head. I, you know, and sometimes what I'll do when I'm chasing a problem, I'll print out a wiring diagram. Think about this. I'll print out a wiring diagram and I'll sit down and I'll study it. Let's see. Could the headlight cause the car to stall? No. Cross that off. Could could an ignition switch cause the car to stall? Sure could circle it could an egr valve cause the car to stall if it has one or an egr control solenoid yeah it could circle it 
All right, and I'll just go through the process and start to break things down component by component off a wiring diagram and decide, could anything here be the cause of my stall and possibly focus on that? All right? One of the, things, okay. one of the other things I was going to tell you to try with the voltmeter is when you're looking at the wiring diagram, there's going to be power into the ignition switch, power out of the ignition switch. Sometimes there's two powers in, two powers out. You want to look at that with a voltmeter, too. Sometimes we'll wire in a 194 side marker bulb looking on the power side. So when the car shuts off, did the bulb stay lit? If the bulb stayed lit, I just eliminated half the circuit. I don't have to test. Right? Okay. Make, make sense? Right. Sounds good. So yeah. try that. If you want to hear this again, Chip, if you want to hear the diagnosis again, this is going to be our one podcast data today. If you get out to our website, cardoctorshow.com, you'll find it under podcasts. 20 minutes after the show is up, and you can, yeah, you're about, uh, you started at the bottom of the hour, so about halfway through the podcast, you'll hear this call, and you can kind of hear me walk through it again. All right, kiddo? Super. Thanks for your time, Doug. Keep, keep me posted, sir. You absolutely, positively enjoy talking to you. Chip, take good care. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. No, I don't want to talk yet. I like this song. Wait, let's listen to Shaft. You know, it's sort of like being a detective working on cars because you're always kind of looking for, you know, the clue of where somebody went wrong and trying to get them back on the straight and narrow. So um, when we come back, I'll tell you where the straight. You know, I can tell you why it's called straight and narrow, but not now. Let's uh, let's go and talk to Sam in Florida. Sam, how can I help you, Ron and Andy, and the car doctor at your service, sir? What's going on? Hi, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. Welcome. A couple of weeks ago, my ABS light and, of course, traction control downhill lights, all three of them come on at the same time. Okay. And a couple of days later, I got back in the vehicle, started up, take it down to the shop. The guy that I know has a scan tool, It's it. they all cleared himself by, by the time I got to the stop sign. Great. Right. And he scanned it anyway. It showed data at the right sensor. I don't know if the right front or the right uh, rear. Right. right, yeah. And since then, it's done it again. As soon as I go to go down to him to have him put the scan tool on, the lights go off. Now, when I just left work and Tom called, the lights came on again. Okay, so do we know which code this is? Right front, left, or right front, right rear, one or the other? Or? He didn't. He didn't tell me. He just said it was the right. Okay. Sensor. That's well, what the data showed. What? I don't know if I told him which one. Of, so we know it's one. we know it's something on the right side. Sensors are not uncommon. So that's a possibility. It's you're in Florida. I don't think you're going to have a rust issue. Depends on what nope. part of Florida you're in. It's you know, welcome to the Northeast. You know, it's uh, it's staggering to me. I see cars from other parts of the country. Yeah, there's no rust anywhere. Welcome to New Jersey. Um, what I would what I would do is see if he has a scope, uh, a lab scope, and let him measure the signal. And I would hook up two sensors. Let's do one from the left side. Let's do one from the right side, or the bad one from the right side, and compare the two signals. Because it's not just going to be wait until the code comes on. Sometimes as a sensor fails, you'll see a change in the electrical pattern. But the pattern, you know, maybe the pattern changes just enough, but not enough to trigger a code until, bam, then it does. All right? Right. And another thing, while it's on, I know I can take the front wheel, unplug the sensor, put an ohmmeter, a voltmeter on there, and measure it as you turn the hub by hand. 
Is that another way of testing it? Well, all all you're using, all the ohmmeter is showing you is continuity. It's not showing you. Right. It's not showing you signal strength, size, amplitude, pattern. It's it's not showing you. You know, it's you're 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 going for a manicure, and she's able to look at her hands and go, yeah, you got five fingers. Um, but she she right. she can't tell you you know how many nails how long it's going to take you're only getting part of the picture, so right. you know it's a good effort, but it's not necessarily you know right. I can't tell you I've had cars where I'll I'll unplug an an ABS sensor I'll measure the ohms ohms is good bad sensor all day long, so all right. you know all right. you, you know now by the same token I've had it ohms good it's not a sensor. It's the trigger wheel. How is it triggered? Uh, you know, sometimes, and if I'm not mistaken, don't hold me to this, but the Hyundai may be the trigger device is part of the wheel bearing, depending upon if it's front or back, and you end up putting a wheel bearing in the car. You end up putting an assembly in. Yeah, it's the whole hub. Right. That you replace. Yeah. So. Yeah, with the gears, right. Right. So just make sure he's using a good quality part, and you should be okay. All right, Sam. All right. All right, I appreciate your time. You're Thank welcome, you. sir. Good luck to you. Take good Bye-bye. care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Ian, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Ron and Andy, the car doctor on my own highway. A couple of things we talking about programming at the uh, beginning of the hour. Here's the problem with programming the way GM is doing it on that particular car. What if the car was in an accident? And there are situations where GM and some of the other companies want you to know the part number, scan the module prior to replacement. What if the car was in an accident? What if the wiring harness was chopped and you can't access any modules, and now all the body parts, body shop has assembled the car and they put all the modules in? You, you, you need a collection of modules now, the old stuff, in order to know what the new stuff's supposed to be. It, it gets very, very complicated. So when it comes to programming and flashing, just uh, develop a diagnostic routine. I do. I, I, I get new parts, old parts, write down numbers. I have the phone numbers of TechLine handy because it just becomes a very involved, very involved process that you uh, you just don't want to skip out on it. Get out to alldata.com. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. If you get out to alldata.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you will see that they talk. There's a blog there. People are emailing me, asking me about the uh, Mode 6 data. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. There's a point where you can go to a blog from alldata.com, and you'll be able to uh, go out there and look at the article on Mode 6 that uh, my buddy David wrote. Very good information. Very good, good information. Just breaks it down into everyday uh, everyday information. Now, Michael had a question during the break. I'll answer it. He wanted to know about the straight and narrow. You ever hear the expression, stay on the straight and narrow? That comes from Patterson, New Jersey, the home of Lou Costello, right? Because on the corner of Straight and Narrow in Patterson, New Jersey, there are uh, the Catholic diocese. There are agencies there for family help, drug help, rehabilitation, that kind of thing. So if somebody's having a problem, the expression was, get down to Straight and Narrow, get down to Straight and Narrow Street. That's where it comes from. See that? You learn a little bit of something in everything here on The Car Doctor, and that's what it's all about. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anani and The Car Doctor. Reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.